Next week, uh, Scott, uh, Eddie and Vicky's son-in-law, will be filling in for me. Michaela and I, we're going to be gone to a young adult retreat down in Texas. So next week, Scott will be filling in. Um, I, I haven't heard him. You know, I, you, you tell me he's good, and I, you know, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that. So, All right. Oh, no, I'll watch it. I, I, I watch people who, I watch a lot of preachers, actually, and so... I don't just listen to myself. I hope y'all know that, right? <laughs> I don't just go home and listen to my own sermons and consider that. <laughs> contentment. Okay. So next week, Scott will be speaking on contentment. Now, uh, that, that being said, I want to do a quick recap of what we talked about last week. We talked about the work of the Spirit, sanctification. Now, Arguably, that is the main work of the Spirit and probably the most, well, maybe not the most important, but it's a very important work of the Spirit. Obviously, you won't be sanctified if you're not convicted. A conviction is another work of the Spirit, but sanctification is a very important work of the Spirit. Now, if you reject sanctification, as we talked about, you're essentially rejecting the cleansing God offers, all right? So sanctification is very important. Sanctification is not something we should underestimate. See, we should not limit God's work to just cleansing because God's work is so much more powerful than that, so powerful that it can change who you are at core. Now, hand in hand with the sanctification of the Spirit is today's uh, topic, the Spirit's Guidance. Here's a question for you. If you are not being sanctified, how can you be led or guided by the Spirit? Simple answer, you can't. You're not going to be guided by the Spirit if you aren't being sanctified, because if you're not being sanctified, you're not relying on God. You're essentially saying, no, I'm, I'm fine, God. I don't need to be changed. I'm self-reliant. So if you're not being sanctified, you're not going to be guided by the Spirit. Now, this work of the Spirit, guidance, another work I think we underestimate so much. We underestimate how the Spirit can guide us, and now that could be for a number of reasons. Uh, Probably the main reason being our society and our mindset as Americans. Uh, We live in a culture that's very individualistic, right? Uh, We we can be our own person, we can do our own things, I can do it my way, and I'm self-sufficient. That's the kind of idea and the ideology we have as Americans. So it kind of makes sense that I think we underestimate the Spirit's guidance. And here's the thing about the Spirit's guidance. I think it should touch every aspect of our lives. What we say, what we do, how we live, what we do for work, the Spirit's guidance should touch every aspect of our lives. Now, as I've gotten older, again, some of y'all are like, well, you're only 15. You know, Some of y'all think that, but... Anyway, as I have gotten older, (laughs) oh man, I don't know if I can get past this part. (laughs) Shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have. Uh, Self-deprecation, huh? Yeah. Oh well. So, as I've gotten older, I have realized how, man, the the, the spirit has to touch every aspect of my life. Uh, I think we have this misconception of autonomy, right? People like to throw that word around today. Autonomy, I'm autonomous, I can do whatever I want. Here's the thing, we're not really autonomous. 
If you believe that you were created by an all-powerful sovereign being called God, and your very existence is dependent on that being, you're not autonomous. You're not completely self-sufficient. You can't completely rely on yourself. And so at a younger age, I, I had this misconception, oh, I have autonomy, I can just do whatever I want when I want. My actions were based on my will. But here's the thing, that's not really autonomy. When you do what you want, whenever you want, what's controlling you? Your desires. People have this misconception and they're blinded that they don't really have autonomy if they are just determined by their desires. Whatever I feel like doing, I'm going to do. That is not freedom. That's not autonomy. See, before Christ's work, before the guidance of the Spirit, before the work of the Spirit, our will is enslaved. It's enslaved to sin. You see, without the Spirit's guidance, you are a slave to sin. Now, I, I do want to address one thing that we've talked about a whole lot in, in our culture and a, a whole lot in our, uh, I don't want to say denomination, but in our fellowship, rather. And that's free will. Here's the issue I have with that. Yes, we have a will. But before we come to know Christ, before we have Christ's work in our lives, before we have the work of the Spirit in our lives, our will is enslaved by sin. So yes, we have a will, but before you come to know Christ, it's not truly free. So you want free will? Come to know Christ. Now, all this being said, it might be confusing to you. How does this relate to the guidance of the Spirit? But this is very relevant to the passage we are going to read in Galatians. So turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. To really have our will free, we must be in Christ and have the Spirit work in our lives. We must walk by the Spirit. So Galatians chapter 5. And if you don't believe me that our will is enslaved, you can always read Romans. Uh, you'll quickly see that we were slaves without Christ. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 through 24. We're going to walk through the text. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Now, another good word or translation for the word walk is follow. So if you follow the Spirit... Straightforward, you're not going to do the things of the flesh. Meaning you're not bound by that uh, sin. That sin does not enslave you if you follow the Spirit, if the Spirit is guiding you. Verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. You see, if you are never at war within yourself, all right, if there's never a war in you between what you should do and what is right and what is wrong, that might be a red flag. 
All right, when there's a war inside you, that's a good sign because I think that's the Spirit trying to work in you, trying to lead you in the right direction. If there is no war, then you are still bound by sin. I pray that you allow the Spirit to win. Verse 18. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under law. You're not under law. Why is that? Well, under law, what do we do, right? If we have a law over us, we follow the law really out of obligation, right? But under the Spirit, here's what happens. When we are guided by the Spirit, or, you know, when we're sanctified, when we're guided by the Spirit, we're going to naturally do the things of the Spirit. See, this is why we're not under the law when we have the Spirit, because the Spirit works in us and through us so that the things of the Spirit become natural. We don't do them because we are obligated to, but because we've been changed and we naturally are led to do them. Verse 19 and through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual morality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now it's an interesting thing that these things here are described as work. I think that's intentional. I think it's meant to contrast the works of the flesh to what we see in verse 22. Verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law but the fruit. See, here's the contrast. Sin, worldly living, things of the flesh, they are work compared to the fruit of the Spirit, right? Let me ask you something. Do you wake up naturally to go to your job, 9 to 5? Or is that something you have to intentionally put into practice? You set out to do that. You don't just naturally wake up like, oh, I, I just happened to show up to my job. That's just naturally what I do. No. That's something you practice. That is something you set out to do. And this is why I think the list in verse 22 is described as fruit. Consider a tree that bears fruit, right? Do you think a fruit tree just wakes up and decides, you know, I'm going to intentionally bear fruit today? No. Fruit comes naturally. It's part of a tree's nature, a fruit tree's nature to bear fruits. And so you see, when we are led by the Spirit, when the Spirit is in us, working through us, Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Those things, that fruit, will be a natural result of having the Spirit guide us or lead us. You see, the works of the flesh, they are unnatural. The fruit of the Spirit is natural. It is what God intended. Verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and Desires. Now, that's always been an interesting phrase to me, crucified the flesh. Why do you think he describes it that way? Crucify the flesh. Well, think about crucifixion, crucifixion itself. What was the point of crucifixion? All right, well, one, they used it as punishment, but the end goal, what happened at the end? They died. Whoever's been crucified 
they die. That's the end goal. That's the goal of crucifixion. Is that they use crucifixion yeah, as a way to mock people, but to get rid of them. I, I, they didn't want those people in their society. <laughs> those people on the cross, they were outcasts. They were thieves. They were people that they did not want in their society. All right, so when I think the text, it, it talks about crucifying the flesh, really it's saying you ought to want nothing to do with that. Just like the world, society wanted nothing to do with Christ, you ought to want nothing to do with sin. Get rid of it. The Spirit should lead us away from sin and into this wonderful fruit in verse 22, this fruit that is born, not born, <laughs> paired, that was weird, naturally. It's a natural result of having the Spirit live in us. Now, notice in this text, we have kind of a general way we live. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generous, and self-control. Those are more general actions, general way of living. Now, I want to focus a little bit. I want to uh, be specific here because the Spirit not only leads us to live in a general way, I think the Spirit also can guide our specific actions. So let's go to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 40, maybe. Uh, sometimes I decide to cut it short, but we'll see. Acts chapter 8, verse 6, 26 rather. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, toward the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship, and he was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Pay close attention to this next verse, verse 9. And the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Uh, there's a lot you can do with this passage. There are other sermons that can be preached from this passage, but right now I want to focus on that verse because that is important. See, without the Spirit's guidance in this text, without the Spirit saying to Philip, go and join him, I don't think this would have happened. I think there's a reason this verse is here in this text. It's because Philip was led by the Spirit to do something very specific. So here's the thing. Sometimes, not always, sometimes the Spirit can work in your life, guide you, and lead you to do specific things, right? Keyword, sometimes, right? Uh, I don't think this is, I don't think the Spirit guides every single one of our actions, okay? There are some that are trivial, right? You, got to go to the store, to Walmart, looking for a flat screen TV and ask the Spirit, hey, which, which TV should I buy? The Spirit's not going to guide you to pick a certain TV, okay? But my point is sometimes we got to trust the Spirit. We got to trust the Spirit to guide us in specific actions because sometimes, man, that could be so crucial. We could miss out on meeting somebody. We could miss out on talking to somebody about the gospel if we ignore the Spirit's guidance with specific Actions. Let's continue reading a bit in verse 30. So Philip ran to him 
and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet and asked, do you understand what you are reading? I love Philip's response here, right? Philip ran to him. He heard the Spirit say, go to this man, and he doesn't say, I I don't know, you know, I I don't really know if I want to do that today, Spirit. I think I'm just going to go home, maybe relax a bit, maybe watch some TV. They didn't have TV back then. You get my point, though. He didn't give excuses. Instead, he listened to the Spirit's guidance and he ran. He didn't hesitate. Right? Unfortunately, and I, I can tell you this of myself, there are some times where uh, I feel an unexplicable uh, prompting to do something, to reach out to somebody, but then I hesitate. I'm sure you all could identify with this. You feel the need to reach out to somebody, but sometimes our doubts, our fears get in the way of the Spirit's guidance. So man, sometimes the Spirit's guidance through specific actions is very crucial. Continue on in verse 31. And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Wow, just reading that verse, that obviously relevant guidance. Sometimes when I, okay, this is weird, but sometimes when I preach through a sermon, I'll read a verse, and I'm like, wow, I missed a good point I could have made there, but it's a little late now. Uh, And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now, the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this, like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him, who can describe his generation, for his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and began uh, with this scripture. He told him the good news about Jesus. Uh, Long story short, the eunuch responds and he's baptized. So just imagine, just imagine if Philip heard the Spirit and said, no. If you heard the Spirit say, go to this unit, go to this person on this chariot and, and share with him the gospel. Imagine if he just said no. This eunuch would not have heard the gospel. Um, it's a question I've been asked before by many people about not knowing how our actions may affect or rather not affect others if we choose to withhold something to say to somebody else, right? If we feel the need to reach out to somebody but then say, "Eh, no. It's a genuine concern, right? And I don't doubt that we've all fallen short in this way. Succumb to fear. Succumb to doubt. But man, I hope we're like Philip who just runs. He hears the Spirit, doesn't have a single moment of hesitation, and he runs. Other than the Spirit guiding specific actions, as we see here in this text, I I think the Spirit also guides our words. And really, I think this is something that the Spirit should always guide. Uh, I don't think there should be one thoughtless word coming out of our mouths. The Spirit should guide our words. So turn with me to Luke chapter 12. 
Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 12. Before we get into this text, I, I guess I'll, I'll acknowledge this. Paul, Paul said we should cut the sermon by 15 minutes. I would only be able to cover one of these texts if that was so. And be, I could do a quick five-minute Devo if you really want that, but my sermons, aren't, my sermons aren't that long. Come on. Give me some credit here. Luke chapter 12, verses 8 through 12. And I tell you, Everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. And when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. The Spirit guides our words. See, there are some times when, this might sound ridiculous, but there are some times when I'm even preaching and I will draw a blank. And sometimes I think to myself, oh my goodness, I need to look back at my notes, I need to find out where I am, I need to keep going, right? But then I I say something and it works out somehow. I, I don't know how it works out, I guess I do. Uh, sometimes I, I truly think that the Spirit does guide what I say, even in a sermon. Even sometimes in sermon preparation. Uh, I'll be sitting in the office and I'll try to, I'll hit a wall, I'll try to figure something out, but then I'll just be sitting there not thinking anything. Like, well, can't think right now. And then, boom, a point pops in my head, right? And I wasn't even thinking. How did the point pop in my head if I wasn't even thinking? And so, my point is, I, I really do think the Spirit can guide our words, Times when we need it, whether that be you're trying to share with somebody the gospel, or maybe even extreme, maybe this ever happens, right? If you are being persecuted, if you are extreme, you're about to die. Man, I hope the Spirit would certainly guide your words then. What would be your last words? I hope those words would be guided by the Spirit. I think we all too often underestimate the ability of the Spirit to guide us. An action and what we say. I, I can't explain to you enough how much I doubted the Spirit. I'll be honest with you. Growing up, when I, when I was a teen, man, I had so much doubt. Quite frankly, there were many times where I just straight up ignored the Spirit. Because I thought to myself, oh, that's, that's some charismatic stuff. I, you know, the, the Spirit doesn't really just like intercede for me and give me words to say. That's, this is me being honest. You know how ridiculous that is? Just because I thought I was going to be a little charismatic if I listened to the Spirit. And I think that's a mistake that we've made in the Churches of Christ, unfortunately, that we, we've looked at the work of the Spirit and what it can do, and then we saw... Uh, another denomination, and we say, oh, they're a little crazy. They're a little on the edge. They're, they're kind of acting out. I don't want to look like them. They look crazy. People thought Jesus was crazy. People thought the disciples were crazy. You know what I'm saying? There can be a point where people think uh, the Spirit's making them do something that's not. But I think far too often we underestimate this, what the Spirit can do and how the Spirit can intercede for us and how the Spirit can lead us to do certain things 
shout to other people, to love other people, to say what needs to be said. And so I hope that you're not where I was. Quite frankly, I can always learn more. I can always rely on the Spirit more. I think we can all rely on the Spirit more. So I pray that you don't doubt the Spirit. Don't doubt the Spirit and what it can do. Quite frankly, I think you, you can only really ever limit the Spirit. The Spirit can do so much. Now, before I close, I know this sermon is not all-encompassing. I know you could probably think of more ways the Spirit can guide us, but here's the thing. At the new year, we're going to start a new sermon series over the Gospel of John. Now, the Gospel of John is often referred to as the spiritual gospel because it talks a lot about the Spirit. So I've intentionally, in this sermon series, skipped some things because we're going to touch on it in that sermon series, but I will leave you with this. It is one thing to rely on your own wisdom. It's another thing to live your life guided by the Spirit. That being said, let's close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, you are good. I'm afraid all too often your spirit is ignored. I'm afraid we limit the spirit to just what we think is possible, what our earthly minds, what our finite minds thinks is possible, but Lord, your spirit as you are is infinite. Your spirit can do so much more than we could even imagine. Your spirit can literally change at core who we are. Your spirit can do so much. Lord, I pray that your spirit would work in us and through us, that the fullness of your spirit, the full work of the spirit would be seen in us. Not just some partial work that we, we just limit the spirit, but may people see the full work of the spirit in us and not see a people who limits a God let us not be a people who tries to limit who you are and what you can do, but a people who fully embraces you as sovereign and you as a Lord who can change the world. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.